Hello and welcome to Reliance's podcast. We hope that the message encourages your heart today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet weekly on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. And if you want to find out more about Reliance, come check us out online. Yes, this is my last Sunday for a bit. I feel like I've got six to eight sermons all wrapped up in one. Amen? (laughs) Buckle up. Here we go. Um, This year, 2023... Uh, on January 1st, we got to meet on Sunday because it fell on a Sunday. Felt like the Lord had given us a word for this year, and that word was radical pursuit, to pursue the Lord. So these last couple of months, we spent our time talking about pursuit, and I just, I feel like it's fitting for, for me on this Sunday, uh, after taking some time here, to, to come all the way back full circle, because I feel like the Lord's doing something with that word. If you remember in, in Amos 5.4, we've kind of been on this, it says, This is what the Lord says to Israel, his people. Everybody say, seek me and live. Seek me and live. And so we've really dissected that word seek and to search out by any method. We've talked about pursue, which means to find or employ any measure to obtain what it is that you're going after. And so this idea of pursuit, just that God has put this on our heart, that I'm going to do whatever it takes. And we use language that you see in scripture from the woman at the well, Jesus getting to her, the woman crawling through the crowd uh, on her hands and knees that needed to touch the hem of his garment. Uh, we talked about Mary um, that coming in, breaking the alabaster jar just to go and be able to anoint the feet of Jesus. Like, whatever it takes, how do we get to him? And this is really the thing that's been burning on our heart, still burning our hearts. And, and uh, there's a question that I guess God just really posed to my heart for today. Where is your fire? Where is your fire? I had this word as we were praying these last couple of weeks. Everybody say remnant. Remnant fire. You're going to see this word remnant all through scripture. A remnant was a group of people that, that like saved themselves for the Lord that he says he reserved for himself. It means when everybody else was going and doing their thing and pursuing their stuff and chasing after worthless things and going after idolatry, whatever it was that they were going after, just living their best life. When, when everybody else, he says, I've preserved for myself a remnant. And the remnant meant men and women who were hungry for one and that was the Lord, amen? So I felt this word, this remnant fire, where is the remnant fire? And I just wanna throw something out real quick, how quickly we can lose our urgency of our first love. How quickly we can be urgent for the Lord and then lose that urgency of our first love. So Valentine's Day happened, amen? Yeah, Valentine's Day happened and uh, I don't know if it's a token day for you or like you go all out, but it always amazes me at Valentine's Day how packed Dylan's is at 10 a.m., amen? How do I know? Because I was there, all right? Just confession, right? Week got away from me, 10 a.m., Valentine's Day. I'm in the aisle with all of these wide, like, eyed, scrambling guys trying to fight for the last heart box of candy that we don't even really like. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? So all of these guys are packed in to Dylan's. We're walking by the florists, right, which are usually ladies, and they're giving us the look like, you scumbags, <laughs> right, as they jack up the price of the flowers. Yes and amen to that on that. 
And so we were in there. No guy makes eye contact with one another, FYI, at 10 a.m. at dawn. We all feel shame, all of us. It's all over us. We're dripping with it. And so no guy makes eye contact, but we're desperate in this moment because we had lost our urgency to get out there and do what we need to do earlier. You see, we, we, we forgot about the one that we love and desire and one that we want to pour ourselves into. So now we're in this desperate scrambling, trying to find whatever we can find. And then I met this guy in the aisle, and we happened to look up, and we made eye contact, and immediately there was a brotherhood there. It was like, bro, just keep grinding, man. I get it. Life's tough. And in that moment, like, I realized that I used to pursue my wife differently than I sometimes do now. In the same way that when I first fell in love with the Lord, I pursued him differently than sometimes I do now. Let me, let me tell you what I mean by that. And, and, and I've shared this before. When I first started pursuing my wife, everything was on the table. Mixtapes, the whole bit. Garth Brooks, the dance. I mean, that's how you win a woman's heart, right there. Even though it's a song about losing love, I don't know how it works, but the Lord brings you together. Amen? So, so you put that on there, and it's like you go all out, whatever it takes. I, uh, in those days, you didn't have cell phones, so you spent like $300 on your long-distance phone bills, right? I remember falling asleep with the phone on my ear, falling asleep because it was long conversations. And I just remember, at that moment, though, it didn't matter. Whatever took, the time, the money, it did not matter. I was willing to waste it all on showing her that I loved her, amen? And the Lord was showing me some things in that. Do you remember, Aaron, when you first fell in love with me and, and I wooed your heart because I've always loved you? Do you remember how you chase after me? Do you remember how when you would open your Bible and just fresh and new and there were just new things that would just come? And I'm like, yeah. And the Lord goes, how quickly we can lose our love affair and our intimacy with him. Amen? Now, why is all of this stirring in, in my heart? You guys have probably seen all over Facebook and social media and you've probably seen it on the news and every Christian uh, website out there that there's a revival stirring right now in our nation. And that revival is in Wilmore, Kentucky at a little place called Asbury. It's a university. It's got a seminary there. But, and I've got a little bit of a tie there. I went there for a, a year for some classes. My dad graduated, got his degree from there. But, but there's this revival stirring there. And it's not staying there now. It's stirring all over the place. Revival fires are breaking out. And there's this list of all these places that revival fires are, are breaking out. And, and honestly, man, it's just birthed out of this hunger for the Lord. And so as I've been talking and, and, and with people, and we've had people that have gone down there and visited and been reading these uh, uh, articles on it, I, don't, I believe that Asbury is just a flagship for what God wants to do around the nation right now. And I, I'm gonna, I want to speak to that for a minute because I think anytime the Lord is stirring something uh, in the nation, I think we need to take note of that. I think we need to look at the season and ask, what are you doing right now in this season? And I want to say this just so that you can understand, like, it's not so much that we're focusing on Asbury. I'm not worried about what's happening in Wilmore, Kentucky so much. I want you to see what God's longing to do in you right now. I want you to see what God's longing to do in, in you. And so what's happening at the Asbury Revival, it's beautiful. But it's not something that we have to try to go to and try to model it. It's someone that we're after. It's someone that we're after. It's a deep hunger for Jesus. It's knowing that he is revival. What they're doing is just simply birthing something out of a genuine desire for him. And we can do that right here and right now. Amen? And so I, I, I was talking with a guy who's kind of followed it from the very beginning and he was sharing with me how this thing started. 
And essentially, they were just having a chapel service. Just a normal, that's what they do. They're a Christian, obviously, university. And so they've got chapel service, just a normal chapel service. And it was birthed in worship and prayer. Isn't that funny? It was birthed out of just worship and prayer. They were praying together. They were worshiping. And then a guy gets up, and he gives a message on repentance. And it wasn't like you asked the people. It wasn't like the most riveting thing of all time. It was just simply proclaiming the word of God. There's some things in our heart that we need to lay down. That's it. Just the word of God. And then something happened. It was done. The, the time was over. Chapel ended, right? Because that's what we do. We put time frames on the Lord. Chapel was over. Everybody cleared out except for seven students. And seven students were at the altar and they were praying, and they were just kind of getting some stuff out of their heart, and they were confessing to the Lord, and they were repenting, and then this is what it was. One of the professors comes up to them and says, look, I've got to lock up, and he asks this question, do you need more time? And they said, yes, we need more time, and he says, that's great. He says, I'll just leave it open. I'll come back later. Those seven stayed, and they began to just repent before the Lord, began to worship before the Lord. One by one, people started trickling back in. One by one, they started coming back. And then some of the worshipers got up, started leading worship again. For two weeks plus now, it's gone on nonstop, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Nonstop. Simply because... Some, some, some professor asked seven students that are getting hungry for the Lord, do you need more time? Come on, church. Do you need more time? Right? And so that confession and that repentance that they're after wasn't because they felt this con condemnation from the Lord. Wasn't because they felt like, oh, the Lord's going to smite us. The word says it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. And so they felt the love of God fall on them. And when they felt the love of God fall on them, the only thing that happens when the love of God fills you up is all the other crap comes out. Amen? Oh, I said crap. Because that's what it is. When God's love fills you up, all that other stuff is going to come out of you. And look, now all of a sudden, this has been back and forth. The Christian community is divided over whether or not revival is falling on Asbury. And you see all of these, these sites that are going, man, God's moving, God's moving. Genuine stuff. People are going, they're going, I felt the genuine presence of the Lord. Got all these other people, you know, out there going, I just don't know, I just don't know, and all this stuff. Let me just tell you this. Every time there's a move of God, there's going to be doubters. There was doubters at Pentecost. They thought those dudes were drunk. There was doubters when Jesus was resurrected, hanging out with his 11 disciples. One's gone now. Hanging out with his 11 disciples. They know who he is. He's got his nail scars in his hands and his feet. They saw him on the cross, and it says they began to worship with him, and some doubted. I'm like, come on, man. Because there's always something the enemy wants to do in the heart of people when God is on the move, and that's to create doubt. Look, I want just you to hear, gawkers are going to gawk because that's what they do, and doubters are going to doubt, but when the love of God falls, it's undeniable and it's overwhelming in what he does in people's hearts. We were having our 12-hour burn last night, uh, yesterday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. over here in this prayer room, and many of you guys came, and thank you guys for pressing into that. And it was 9 a.m., 9.15 in the morning, we were in one of the small rooms over here, and the worship team was just leading, and... It was one of the most beautiful times, man, that I've had it with the Lord in years. And one of the gals just began to sing this, this phrase over and over, you fascinate me with your love. You fascinate me with your love. You fascinate me with your love. And man, I, 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 was, I got so struck by the powerful love of God in my heart. I was just weeping for three hours, man. 
Just, Lord, fascinate me. I want to be fascinated with your love again. I'm tired of living this half-hearted or half-devoted or chasing after my other pursuits life. And so in that moment, just this, I get it. I get why they're there. I get why they're staying. I get why they're not leaving. I get why they're pressing in. Because when the love of the Lord comes over, it fascinates your heart. Everybody say this word. Lord, revive us again. Now say it like you mean it. Revival is simply this. If you look up, like, what is revival? Revival means renewal or awakening. It just means awakening. And so what are we awakening our hearts to? We're just awakening our hearts to Jesus. That's what it is. Revival's not a tent meeting. Revival's not what's taking place in a chapel service. Revival is hearts that are stirred for the awakening of Jesus and who he is again. This is what revival is. This is what's happening there. It's hunger for the Lord. In Psalm 26, 8, the psalmist says, Oh, how I love your house, the place where your glory dwells. The place that he calls the house is wherever the glory of the Lord dwells. Guess where the glory of the Lord dwells today? Everybody guess. Everybody say me. Me, me, me. Everybody say me. It's me. It's you. This is where the glory of the Lord dwells. He's like, Oh, how I love where your glory dwells. He dwells in you people. Amen? Look, this is revival. It's this idea of awakening, awakening to the things that Jesus, who Jesus is, awakening to the person of Jesus Christ. Paul says in Ephesians 5, 14, for this reason it says, awake, everybody say awake. Awake, awake sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. He'll say the same thing in Romans 13, 11. Do this, knowing the time, that it is already the hour for you to, everybody say, awaken. Awaken from sleep, for now salvation is nearer to us than when we believe. There's this word over and over and over. You're going to read in scripture, revive. Everybody say, revive. You're going to read the word revive. It means to come awake, come alive, be renewed again. The psalmist says in Psalm 80, 18, then we shall not turn back from you. Revive us. Everybody say, revive us. And we will call upon your name. Psalm 85, 6. You will, will you not yourself revive us? Everybody say revive us. Again, that your people may rejoice in you. Psalm 119, 88. Revive me. Somebody say revive me. According to your loving kindness that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. Psalm 143, 11 says, for the sake of your name, O Lord, revive me. Somebody say revive me. In your righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. Look, I, I want you to hear something. This revival, and there's been lots of revivals in history. Some of them have massive signs and wonders and miracles and healings. And there's some cool things happening down there in Kentucky uh, that, 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 that are being reported. But most of what's taking place is just simply radical prayer and worship and repentance. And it's beautiful, and why, why don't I, I want you to hear something like, I love signs, and I love wonders, and I love miracles, I love when God does those things, but what this is predicated on is a hunger for the Lord. It's just a hunger for the presence of Jesus. When Elijah stood at the mouth of the cave in the Old Testament, he had just seen fire come down from heaven. He had just seen a miracle of the Lord. He had just witnessed signs and wonders of God. But he gets to the mouth of the cave and he's waiting on the Lord. And it says a torrent of wind blew by. But the Lord was not in the wind. And then it says this big whatever burst of fire came at the mouth of the cave. But it says the Lord was not in the fire. 
And then it says, a still small voice came and Elijah stepped forward, for he knew the presence of God was in that voice. This is what's happening. It's not chasing after the fireball or the torrent of wind. It's not chasing after all the signs and wonders. It's saying, Jesus, you are the miracle. Jesus, you are the one. You are revival. You are the one that we're after. This is what they're experiencing right now. It is a desperate hunger pursuit of the Lord. Just his voice is what they want. We want your presence. We want your voice. You want to do signs and wonders and miracles? Praise the Lord. But we want you. And so for two weeks, this is what they're after. We want you. Can I just tell you the greatest miracle you're ever going to see? I love when, you know, Jesus does the healings that he does. I love even in today when we see healings take place. But the greatest miracle you're going to see is a changed heart when somebody comes to Christ. It is the deal. Look, because you can grab your mat and you can walk and you can still walk away from Jesus. But when your heart is radically transformed by his love, he's it. He becomes everything. He's your affection and your desires. He's the thing that you wake up in the morning and go, Lord, how do I please you today? Lord, your life is my life. How do you want me to walk? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to go after today? This is the greatest miracle when somebody's heart is transformed by the love of Christ. Fire. Everybody say fire. What do we think is going to happen when we chase after fire? Like, we've been in this pursuit, and we're like, Lord, we're going to pursue you. 2023, year of pursuit. All these other people out there, I get it, same thing. They're like, we're going to pursue you. What do you think is going to happen when you catch fire? You're going to, if you catch it and you lay hold of it, you're going to be changed by it. Amen? This is what it looks like. Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 12, for our God is an all-consuming fire. So here we are. We're like, Lord, we're going to chase after you. We're going to pursue you. What do you think is going to happen when you catch him? You think he's going to leave you the same? You think he's not going to touch your heart? You think fire's not going to affect you? All of a sudden, we lay hold of the Lord, and we're like, I don't know what to do, man. He's burning me up. He's burning me up. And this is what, again, we experience when we lay hold of fire. He burns us up with his love. This is why men and women are saying, we will not leave. We will lay hold of the Lord. We will not leave. Fire is going to burn us. It's going to burn our hearts. It's going to burn the love of Christ down within us. And this is what we're seeing happening, not just at Asbury, but with these revival fires that are stirring across the nation right now. There's a burning and a purifying and refining. It's not just in the nations, man. It's in the world right now. You just heard of, uh, of mercy and patience getting ready to go over to Turkey. There's revival fires burning there in these prayer rooms. Burning, purifying, refining. He is burning away the dross. That's what purifying is. It's making it pure, right? And you burn away the dross. For many people, the dross is just simply doubt. Doubt of who God is. Doubt that God can. Doubt that God really wants your whole life. I know he wants my life. I don't know if he wants my whole life. He's burning away the doubt right now that, that, that somehow there could be something better than Jesus out there. He's burning away the doubt that somehow, I know Jesus is good, but there are some other things that are really good too, and so I'm going to pursue those. He's burning that doubt away that somehow you're going to find something that's greater than him, because you won't. You won't. You won't. And he's burning up that doubt, and he's purifying, and, and I'm just telling you right now, he's doing something in you. If you think about when you touch fire and it begins to burn everything out, then all of a sudden you're left inside going, so what do I have left? And he's like, now you're hungry. You're hungry for the things that are going to satisfy you. If I fill up my life with Twinkies, those are empty calories, amen? They're good, but they're empty. 
eventually I'm going to burn that stuff out. I'm going to go, I'm hungry again because I need something that's going to sustain me for the days ahead. The Lord is burning out your twinkie Christian Christianity. Amen? Your ding-dong Christian. We could go lots of places with this. He's burning out that stuff, man, because it's not going to take you to the end. It's not. It's not going to be sustainable. And he's putting this insatiable desire for the real deal inside of you. This is what the Lord is doing, I believe, with the revival fires right now. These men and women, they got burned by the love of Jesus, and he's purifying their hearts. And now people from all over the nation, they're coming in. They're coming in. They're coming in. And so it's so crazy because they're telling people, don't, you don't have to come here. Like there's nothing crazy happening here except a bunch of Jesus lovers. Do it at your home. Do it where you're from. And I love this. The celebrity Christians are coming in, right? Right? So move of God and many of the celebrities. You know where they're making them sit? In the very back because it's not about them. They're saying there's one celebrity in this house. His name's Jesus. I love it, man. They're, they're, not live, they're not live streaming. People are videoing, but they're not live streaming it because they're saying, like, we want to keep this pure. This is, this is between us and the Lord. And it is. It's beautiful. There's a personal hunger in the word right now. There's just personal hunger in their hearts. There's a personal hunger. I don't know about you, but I have never gotten satisfied watching somebody else eat a piece of steak. Oh, that steak. Oh, I'm so satisfied watching you. Like, that's dumb. Like, why in the world do we get satisfied when somebody else is feeding on something fantastic and we're like, oh, you feeding on that makes me feel so good right now. You can have the steak. You can have it. If you're a vegetarian, you can have the tofu steak. I don't care. <laughs> but you can have it. You're not watching somebody try to feed themselves and going, oh, man, I'm so satisfied watching you eat right now. It's crazy, and yet we live our Christianity like that. I'm going to watch somebody else burn for the Lord. Oh, that makes me feel good. No, you burn for the Lord. Oh, this is what happened. So in that moment, that professor throws out that word and he says these things. He says, do you need more time? God broke out. Do you need more time? This revival, I believe, is birthed out of time and obedience. Time no longer became an issue for them. We have a start and we have a stop. Come to our prayer meeting, 7 to 8, 7 to 9. Notice how we always tell God there's a, there's a stop time, Lord? 7 to 9. Let me just say this. When hunger does not have a timeline on it, God moves. Look, 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 have we put a timeline on our hunger for God? Lord, 9.30 service, I know those 11 o'clockers are coming in. He's got to let us out soon. No, I don't. They're crowd in, we got aisle space, whatever, any firefighters in the room, we're going to be over capacity, amen? But this is what we do. It's like we, we put this timeline on God. You've got an hour and a half. This is where you need to move. Go in an hour and a half. This is how it's going to be. Because they didn't put that timeline on God, two weeks later, the fire of God is still filling them. The love of God is still being poured out. And then they had obedience not to leave, you know, because sometimes you can have the timeline and just say, hey, it's going to be open. Hey, sanctuary's open, prayer room's open, but there's an obedience in our heart that says, you're better than. Let me tell you how great he was in that place. He was better than the Super Bowl because it went on during the Super Bowl. He was better than the Super Bowl. Look, I get it, Chiefs fans in here. I, I was at a Chiefs party too. I was a watch party. It was great. It was awesome. But what they're saying is, Jesus, you're bigger than the Chiefs. You're bigger than them. I don't care about a Super Bowl. You are the Super Bowl, Jesus. 
And this is what it looks like. So my wife and I, we were talking about this. It's like, Aaron, like how do we do this? We got, you got things going on. We got appointments to be at. We got all those things. Look, revival does not happen just in a place. Revival's in you. So what it is is you take that revival, that love of God that's fallen on you. You get in your car and you still hunger for him. You get in your home and you still hunger for him. You get to your cubicle on Monday and there's an insatiable hunger inside of you. That's revival, and that's how it's sustained. And you don't have to be in a place for that to happen. you got to have him in you. David caught this. When David says, better is one day in your courts, one day in your house, than a thousand elsewhere. You, I would rather spend one day with you, Jesus, than a thousand Super Bowls of the Chiefs winning. One day with you. Jesus is going to say the same thing on time with his disciples in the garden on his face and he's crying out to his father and he says to the disciples, he says, stay here, watch and pray. What did they do? What did they do? They fell asleep. What is revival? To get awake. Revival's awakening. What did they do? What did they do? Everybody say sleep. What's revival? What did they do? What's revival? Jesus says in this garden with him, will you stay up and will you pray with me? Will you keep watch with me? Comes back, finds them asleep, and he says those words, could you not tarry with me for one more hour? Could you just give me more time? Isaiah 55, Isaiah, he's the prophet's going to come in and speak compassionately to the people of God and bring the word of God, trying to bring and woo their hearts back. And he says this word, come everyone, verse 50, uh, Isaiah 55, 1, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine, milk without money, without price. Four times, come, come, come. I'm a satisfied, come. You don't have to have money, come. I've got you, just come. And then in verse 6, it's one of the most compelling verses right now. I believe for our generation, and I believe for the time that we're in. And he says this, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is what? Now is the time. Tomorrow's too late. A week from now is too late. Let me get my life in order first. Let me get my priorities straight. Then I'll seek you. Then I'll come after you. It's too late. Seek the Lord now while he may be found. Find him now while he's near. Amen, church. This was Isaiah's call, compassionately calling the remnant of Israel back to spiritual renewal. There's that word again, that remnant of Israel. Look, we've gone our own way, we've pursued our own things, we've chased after, we've hungered for other lovers. But now I'm calling you back, seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he's near. And as a part of this reminder to this remnant, he was telling them, it's time to get away from the lifestyles that we wanna live and start living in Jesus's life. Just as Isaiah called the remnant to come and feast upon the Lord, so Jesus calls us to come and feast upon him. This is the language of the New Testament. Jesus, you're hungry, I'm the bread of life. You're thirsty, I'm living waters. Come, feed, drink off of me. I'm going to be the one who sustains you. And if some of you guys are out there going, man, I, like this seems tough. This is hard. I don't know what that looks like. Let me just give you a word out of Deuteronomy 30. God says to Israel, now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you. Okay? No excuses. Look what he says. Or beyond your reach. Nobody in this room goes, man, he's put it just outside of my grasp. No, he hasn't. 
Look what he says. He says, it's not up in the heavens so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it so that we can obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea and get it and proclaim it to us so that we have to obey it. Look what he says. No, the word. Somebody say the word. The word is very near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart so that you may obey it. The word became flesh. Jesus is very near to you. He's not far from you. He's not gone from you. He's not distant from you. He's very near to you. All you got to do is come. You got to do this come this idea of being a carrier of this fire a remnant fire that carries revival inside of us I love it again they're not living live streaming this they're not trying to capture a moment they're just hungry people living in the moment for the Lord sometimes when we see these crazy things where God breaks out we want to just stay right there isn't it isn't it amazing that Elijah <coughs> Elijah when he called fire down from heaven at Mount Carmel. If fire came down from heaven, I'd be like, I'm staying in this place, right? Fire came down, lapped up all the water. I mean, it was a miracle of God. But Elijah didn't stay where the fire fell because Elijah carried the fire within him. This is what revival is. This is what it means to be carriers of revival. God can give me hunger for him while I'm sitting in the drive through line at McDonald's. He can give me hunger for him. If I'm open, real quickly, I want to give some time to pray here in a minute, but in the book of Haggai, I'm not going to read it all, but Haggai prophet hears from the Lord and he says, why are you building your houses my, my, while my house lies in ruins? So the Lord says, why are you building your paneled houses while my house lies in ruins? And then he says this, rebuild the house of the Lord. Rebuild the house of the Lord. And then he's going to say three times, consider your ways. And he's going to say something. Then he's going to come back and say, consider your ways. Then he's going to say something. He's going to come back. He's going to say, consider your ways. Three different times. He's telling, check your heart. Consider what we're doing. He says, consider your ways. Rebuild the house of the Lord that I may take pleasure in it and I may be glorified in it. And then he says, when drought comes, you will get grain and new wine and oil. The remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the people feared the Lord, and I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of the people in this place, and he gave them peace. And as I was focusing on this in one of my devotion times. I was focused on rebuild the house of the Lord. What does the Lord tell us in the New Testament? Where's the house of the Lord? Everybody say, me, 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 me. He says in 1 Peter chapter 2, you, like living stones, are being into a spiritual house of the Lord. He's saying it's time to rebuild our hearts. It's time to rebuild our hearts. What is it that we're giving ourselves over to? What is it that's stirring us in this time where revival is spreading? Are we saying, Lord, I want the fire? Are we saying, Lord, if I want the fire as long as it's an hour and a half? bring it you got an hour and a half bring that fire if not we'll come back next week we'll see what you can do amen church we're not trying to dabble in Christianity we're not trying to sprinkle Christianity into our lives we're trying to find we're not trying to find a better way to live our life we're not trying to find a better way to live our life it's not what scripture says we're trying to find a way to lose our life for him 
This is a big one in our Christian life. Because we, we, man, we promote this a lot. Have we been chasing our destiny or his destiny? We were born to glorify Jesus. That's it. We were born. He allows us to do these other things. As long as it's bringing glory. We were born to glory. The law. The Lord, it's the law. I get it. I, but this is what you were born for. You'll find the most satisfaction in, the, in your life when you're living for what you were born to do. And you were born to glorify his name. And we've said this a thousand, whether you're, I don't care if you pick trash up or you work in a school system or you work in a business world, you stay at home mom or dad, you were born to glorify his name. That's your satisfaction. That's it. So last thing, real quick. Revelation 3. Jesus knocking on the door, right? Remember this? Remember this? So he's talking to the church of Laodicea, lukewarm, and because you're lukewarm, you're neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. He says these words, you think you need nothing, you think you're rich, you think you've got it all, you think you've got life figured out. He says those harsh words, you're poor, pitiful, blind, and naked. It's not harsh words, it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. And he says, I counsel you, I love you, buy from me gold refined by the fire so you can become rich. White clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness. Salve to put on your eyes so you can see. To those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. So be earnest and what? What? And repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they will with me. Look, I want you to hear this for just a minute. It's a crazy picture. We've talked about it. Can you imagine Jesus talking to a church? He's like, I'm on the outside and I'm knocking on the door. He's like, I'd, I'd like to get into my house. And he's knocking on the door. He's like, I know you think you do a lot of great things. And I know you think you, you have some great worship. And I know you think you've got good kids ministry. He's like, but if you open the door and let me in my house, I'm a much better pastor than you. If you open the door and you let me into my house, I'm a much better counselor than you are. If you open the door and you let me into my house, I'm a much better healer than you are. And Jesus is gone. I'm knocking on the door. If you let me in, watch what I can do. This is Revival Fire Church. This is what it looks like to be sold out to Him. So I want to give you a word and just a challenge to pray. We're going to sing a song, Isaiah 64, 7. Isaiah is crying out. This is the heart of God. He's crying out. He says, no one calls on your name, God. No one calls on your name. No one strives to lay hold of you. And I'm believing that God is flipping that. That may have been for Isaiah's generation, but not for this one. We will be men and women who call on the name of Jesus. Amen. We will be men and women who will strive to lay hold of him. Now, what does this look like then? Uh, there's a gal, Jeannie Allen, I believe it is, kind of a Christian author, speaker. She was there at the revival. And she said, man, I, I came to the front. I wanted to repent. I wanted to give God my heart. And a group of girls caught me and said, hey, would you pray with us that we can begin to repent things to the Lord? And so they began, they sat down, began trying to throw some things out. And she said, God hit her heart in that moment and said, hey, let's change this up for a minute. Let's start confessing all of the other lovers of our life outside of Jesus. Let's start confessing all of the other things that we love, maybe even more than Jesus. Now I get it, we're in church and everybody's like, oh, I love Jesus the most. Does your time say that? 
There's the things you put your desires and pursuits, say that. I'm just telling you, for me, it doesn't. And so they begin to confess things in their life, all their other lovers. Lord, I've loved pride. I've loved my family more than you. I've loved, I've loved my time more than you. I've loved, I've loved my desires more than you. I've loved my passions more than you. I've loved my pleasures more than you. I've loved holding on to unforgiveness more than you. So that's what I want to do in the next five minutes. They're going to sing a song, and I just want to talk about and give to the Lord. What is it that we love more than Him? And so my challenge on your heart is, let's turn this room, sanctuary, this front is open, crosses are open. I'm not going to worry about 11 o'clock yet. Your chairs are open. You want to come? If you just need to confess, Lord, I've got a lot of lovers that I need to lay down. A lot of lovers. My doubt. I've loved my doubt that I've loved more than I've loved you. And I want to encourage you just to come and lay your lovers down and take up the greatest love of Jesus. So Father, I'm praying, God, I stir whatever lovers we have in our life, stir it up, Jesus, that we can lay those down. The things that we try to hide from you, that pride, I, I love my pride. God, I lay it down. I'm just going to confess right here to my church family. For 22 years, I have loved ministry at times more than I've loved you. And so, Father, over the next 40 days of taking this sabbatical, I pray that you would bring me and Christy back to our first love, that we can lead out of our love affair with you more so than a love affair with ministry. Jesus, show us our loves. In your name we pray. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's word. We hope that it continues to encourage you and bless you as you go about your day to day. And until then, we will see you next Sunday. Have a great week.